The ability to simplify means to eliminate the unnecessary so that the necessary may speak. Marketing Made Simple, hosted by Dr. J.J. Peterson, brought to you by the HealthSpot Podcast Network, is meant to bring you practical tips to make your marketing easy and more importantly, make it work. If you're a listener of I Digress, you already know my emphasis of simplification leads to sustainability, scalability, and success. In the same parallel, I encourage you to listen to Dr. J.J. Peterson as he breaks down various marketing tactics to help you scale and grow your business in a very easy and a very practical way. A few recent episodes he talks about is creating a social media ad strategy that works, multiply your output, not your effort with social media, and five must-haves for an effective sales funnel. Look, I think we all can agree that marketing is not always easy. It can be very challenging. And if you're a listener of I Digress, then I'm sure you will more than love what Dr. J.J. Peterson drops on Marketing Made Simple, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. You can listen to Marketing Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. I cannot believe this. The International Academy of Digital Arts and Sciences has recognized the I Digress podcast for the 26th annual Webby Awards under the Creativity and Marketing Podcast category. I Digress is a Webby nominee for the Webby People's Voice Award. So you're probably wondering, what does that even mean to be nominated for a Webby and the significance of this? If you think of Emmys, you have television. If you think of Grammys, you have music. If you think of Oscars, you think of film. If you have the Tonys, you think of theater. And then you have the Webbies, which is for the internet. As a Webby nominee, Adagress has been singled out as one of the five best in the world in its category of creativity and marketing within the podcast creative among the top 12% of over 14,000 record-breaking projects entered from around the world being submitted for an opportunity to win a Webby. Yeah, I have goosebumps. I have chills. I cannot believe this. This is incredible. But here's the thing. The Webby People's Voice Award is voted on by the public and is a mark of international distinction for internet excellence. So here's where I need your help. To my listeners, to my I Digress community, to my Hub fans, my HubSpot Podcast Network community, anybody who knew me from back in the day, anyone who I've helped in business, who follow me on Twitter, on the gram, in these clubhouse streets, on social audio, on Twitter spaces, I would greatly appreciate your vote for my podcast to increase my chance to win. The link to vote will be in the show notes below, and you will also find the link in all of my social media channels. 
Voting is open until April 21st, 11.59 p.m. Pacific Time. This Webby nominee is huge. I am grateful, I am humble, I am thankful, and I can't believe we even got this far. But a little part of me kind of wants to win. And I greatly appreciate everyone who has voted and everyone who will vote. This just goes to show you that if you just put your mind to it, be consistent, have conviction, have confidence, have poise, have patience, be yourself, and just come to the mic and create the best possible thing that you can, opportunities can come about. I think about all the sacrifices that not just I've made, but my wife has made. But many times she has had to go in the other room and close the door to try to keep the, the noise low. And me making sacrifices, missing certain occasions or certain things to record because that's the only time I've been able to record an episode and get it out to the public. And so for me to win this Webby Award would mean so much for me, so much validation for the effort and the energy that's been put into this podcast initiative over the last 18, going on 20 months now. I'm just excited. It's a big deal. And I never thought I would be able to create something that would be nominated for such a high level of excellence. So if any episode, if at any moment, this experience has been beneficial to you, to your business, whether it's motivated you, encouraged you, gave you strategies that helped you grow your business or whatever you fall on the spectrum, I would greatly appreciate your vote for the Webby nominee per I digress. I think it's clear by now that Troy Sandage is all about growth marketing strategy. I know I've been all over the place the last couple of episodes, but I would really like to go back to my roots. Kind of like the root song from Imagine Dragons. Hit it. I'm going back to my roots another day, another door, another high. So what I mean by going back to my roots, I really want to get down to business, cue down to business. I'm just playing. <laughs> and talk about just ways you can implement growth strategies for your small business, for your entrepreneurship journey. I think no matter how long you've been in business, what industry you're in, what space you're in, these five critical growth strategies are going to be essential for you to not only scale, but create a sustainable business for you to thrive towards quarter three, quarter four of this year, and then years to come. The first thing I want to talk about, I've expressed this on various episodes in the past, but I want to reemphasize this right now in this moment. Do not overlook your existing customer base. It's easier to win new business from people you've already proven yourself to than to try to do the dance for people who don't even know who you are. One of the most common and devastating mistakes businesses make is prioritizing new customers over existing customers. Now, I get it. While it's important to expand your customer base, customer retention and customer loyalty are the true keys to success. Convincing a customer to return to your business is significantly easier than convincing a new customer to give you a chance to give you an opportunity to invest in your service, your product, your deliverable. Retaining customers can help significantly increase your profit margins, 
as well as those returning clients are also a good source of word of mouth advertising, case studies, and getting access to ideal customer profiles because they are already in your existing customer base. So Troy, that's great. I hear you. I understand you. I do have a small list or big list of existing customers or maybe previous customers. How do I either expand my contract, double down on my contract, increase how much they're investing in me or using my products or services or stack or use them as leverage to get access to new customers who ideally are in the same pool, same industry, same space who need what I offer. How do I equip them? How do I empower them to see my value, double down on me or make a recommendation for me? A lot of good questions. It all comes down to the same answer. Constant communication. And I mean communication that's not all about selling. It's about value that, hey, just checking in how you're doing. And yes, depending on your industry and your space and how wide your net of customer base is, you probably cannot be on a molecular level of knowing their partner or their family or what they like or what they don't like. But there's a thing called a CRM. Hmm. We may know of an organization that provides a really profound CRM experience to help you scale this and make this happen. Now, if we look at the CRM, you can tag various individuals into clusters and send very micro emails or messages or push notifications, depending on how you have things set up with your stack and everything to nurture these individuals, not just to check in on how they feel about the product or service experience, but to nurture them to think about, hey, this is such a great experience for me. I don't just want to leave a review. I want to recommend this company, you, to somebody else who I feel deals with the same problem, the same pain point that I do. They're going to do the work for you, but you have to come in positioning yourself and equipping them with the right messaging, tools, incentives, and dynamics for them to succeed and take action on your behalf. Now, some people sleep on emails, but emails isn't dead. Again, I've said this before, I've said it many, many times before, and it's still relevant true today. You own email lists. Social media can shut down any moment in time. And if you don't have that somewhere, you lost all of your followers, all your connections. But an email address, that list, if you built it up the right way, it's yours. You own it. And it's the only real estate that is not impacted by other social media algorithms or agendas. And so... It's one thing to really think about is that when people sign up for your ebooks or maybe they went through a Calendly to book a time with you to talk about your product, your whatever it might be, and you're having these conversations, put these emails and categorize them using a CRM and nurture these individuals and subgroups to drive new business to you or drive opportunities for them to buy into more business from you. You may be a one solution organization, or maybe you have a full turnkey of seven different things. And right now they're only using one. Maybe another conversation. Oh, I didn't even realize you did other things. Let me sign up for three more things. So you just got this client who already bought one thing and now they are using three to four. You just made more money without having to use a whole nother system or anything like that. It's all in alignment. You just build them more. <laughs> so that's one thing to think about is using email which is one of the easiest ways to stay in touch with your existing customers. You could entice them to sign up for different things and discounts in exchange for recommendations or sharing out new product launches, new service offerings to their audience groups. 
and maybe even provide them with an affiliate link or a bit.ly link or a track link that anytime they share and new business come your way, you can incentivize them and say, hey, we're going to take 10% off your next monthly payment or whatever that might be. The thing to scale is not always the most difficult thing. It's just embracing the most consistent thing with patience and determination and a really good growth marketing strategy. You can achieve significant growth for your business all through referrals, all through your current existing client base. And I don't think people talk enough about it. Another thing I want to talk about when it comes to uh, five growth marketing strategies to help you increase your business profitability, growth, authority, and awareness, and brand equity is considering alternative channels of distribution and communication. I've said it time and time and time and time and time again. Your audience, culture, and trends are going to tell you where you need to be, how you need to show up, and who you need to communicate with. You always need to do a check to make sure that the mediums that you choose to communicate in is not just because of your own personal agendas and preferences, but it's also what aligns with the ideal customer, the ideal audience that you're trying to specifically reach to do business with. The mediums that we that we use 20 years ago may be the same that we use today, but in more than likely, they look a lot different than they were 20 years ago. And that's okay because change is always constant. Change is always a constant in business. And so it's always great to put 10 to 50%, if not 20% of your efforts and energy on finding new opportunities to sell your products, to sell your services, so you can make sure but you're always having people in the pipeline and also make sure that your current market is highly competitive. Yes, the internet has opened up countless alternative channels for entrepreneurs, SMBs, legacy brands, side hustlers, freelancers alike to be as very micro or macro as you would like in these markets. Nevertheless, nobody wants to invest in a platform that doesn't drive any type of results. Now, let me be clear. Just investing in a new medium or platform doesn't mean it always has to come down to dollars and cents. Sometimes you might need a massive brand awareness, brand equity boost. And maybe you just start doing Instagram reels or TikToks and that drives your brand equity up to drive people to LinkedIn and other channels. Really, it really comes down to making sure that you're not putting everything you have in one basket because there are seasons where it does well and there are seasons where it doesn't. And I know you know what I'm talking about. And I know you know exactly which mediums are doing well, well right now, which mediums are not. You're frustrated about the investment in the money or the team or the resources. And it's not bringing you the ROI that you want. This is why considering alternative channels that make sense to either drive brand equity and awareness or drive conversions and conversations that leads to higher profitability, or just to test the market to seeing, hey, if it's oversaturated over here, maybe I need to be over there, just so I can claim the rented land that no one has claimed yet in my industry, in my space, in what I do. And I also want to make this very clear too. You know, the pandemic is still prevalent, but things have changed depending on where you are in the world. But face-to-face isn't dead either. If you're online only or have shifted to only digital, that may be that may, hey, I need to do a public speaking opportunity. I need to speak to Chamber of Commerce. I need to do a conference again. There's underlining ways that might allow you access to the ideal audience that maybe you haven't tapped into or haven't tapped into in a long time or since the pandemic or beyond. All about looking at where things are working, where things are not working, making a list, putting things in alignment, and making adjustments accordingly. 
We've seen so much change with hybrid workforces in the past few years. And keeping remote teams connected with customers has continued to be one of the greatest challenges coming through this period. But with HubSpot CRM's full suite of service tools, teams can stay connected no matter where they are. With a customizable space where customers can open, track, and manage all of their service tickets, Customer Portals gives your customers more transparency and autonomy than ever before. And since Customer Portals are connected to a shared team inbox, issues are resolved faster and more efficiently, giving your teams and customers more time to focus on what really matters. Learn more about how to keep your customers and teams connected and how your business can grow better at HubSpot.com. that being said, another parallel and a strategy for growth is to increase your market penetration. Market penetration is arguably the most critical strategy businesses should use for long-term success. The goal of the strategy is to increase your sales within your current market. But I'm not going to lie. This is difficult. This is the hard stuff. This ain't for the faint of heart. Because it requires you to understand your existing competition, which means you must do research and analysis and recon and understanding the right data points. Once you find the right data points and measure them against your OKRs, your KPIs and all the things to ensure you're in alignment to be competitive to your competitors and you're seeing what's working for them that may work for you or what's work not working for them that won't work for you or vice versa, depending on where you are. Nevertheless, when you are understanding your competition, you can make a marketing strategy and approach and your messaging and your branding and all the things to become more appealing to your current market in a reliable and relatable way to boost your profits. Now, I've talked about this in my book. I've talked about this in other episodes where I don't always agree that lowering your prices is the optimal first approach to increasing your market penetration, your market shares, and where you're trying to win. There's a lot of subjectiveness. There's a lot of things to think about when it comes to that. However, the data does suggest that selling for less in certain areas, in certain situations, can make you dramatically more competitive, expand your customer base and increase your sales opportunities in time. I would always suggest instead of lowering your prices, create a different offer that is a lower price from your high-tiered or high-ticketed offer, which allows you the ability to reach people who maybe can't afford you at your highest price point without jeopardizing the integrity or the price point that you really want to get from your current base. That's the key. Too many times we will lower our high-ticket, our high-beloved, product or service or offering to a point where look all this new business we got from a volume standpoint during the pandemic and now a year later we're trying to raise our prices back to where it used to be and everyone's like why would i pay that price when i get everything for this price i'm out we don't want that either so when it comes to market penetration it is a numbers game to an extent if that's your way to go but it's also about knowing your competition and creating offers that make sense to feed the void and drive things out Like I said, it may not always be feasible to charge lower rates. I don't agree with that. 
but it's always great to look for other ways to appeal to the average customer's desire for what we had designed for today as a bargain. The discount double check, <laughs> State Farm, right? We all want a bundle. Progressive? Yeah, we all looking for that bargain. And we have to find ways that makes what we're offering appealing. One of the most common ways people do that is whatever your base price is, you know, double it and just say for a limited time, it's really this price, which is the price has been all along. But psychologically, it does something for people to say, oh, I need to tap into this now. I need to buy this now before it goes up again. And it gives you wiggle room to adjust your profit margins accordingly, because maybe a client may be willing and have the capital to pay you at your best. This is another Strategy Accelerator brought to you by Agency Accelerated Podcast with Stephanie Liu, powered by Agora Pulse. It's no secret that proving the ROI of social media marketing is one of the biggest challenges faced by businesses today. In fact, in a recent survey of agency owners, Agora Pulse found that a whopping 55% of marketing agencies, over half of you, aren't measuring the ROI or impact of social media marketing for your clients. And as a result, 65% of agencies report having difficulties attracting and retaining clients. Wouldn't you like to show your clients all of the value that you're bringing to the table? Yeah? How would you like to hand prospects the results you've delivered for other businesses just like theirs? Can you imagine the gas from clients and prospects alike when you tell them the true value of social media? That's what we're covering in today's episode of Agency Accelerated. But it has to encompass all of those other elements in order to maintain the attention, maintain the relationship for the people that are following you and connecting with you in order for them to trust you enough staying with the brand. I like to say it's like being a magnet uh, with your marketing versus being like a bullhorn and just blasting messages out. You're, you're really attracting the right kind of people to your channel. So the ROI component of that is really breaking down if we're doing this, mm-hmm. is it generally the outcome that I'm wanting. But that outcome can be so much more than just dollars is what I'm saying. Do need to be aware of ROI in general. That's why I said I love the ROI topic, even though I always say it's serving over selling, you know, but it's just the proof, right? It's the proof that is um, building that confidence in the teams that are managing the social media. And it's showcasing that, hey, Here's our results from what we're doing, and it's showing that it's working overall. And if you want to learn more about that episode, search Agency Accelerated Agora Pulse wherever you get your podcast, or Agency Accelerated Agora Pulse on YouTube to see the live video version of the podcast. You want to make sure that you are being very intentional about how you increase your market penetration. That may be paying for ads to boost your awareness. That may be paying for ads to, to try different markets and seeing how many people click on the link, get to your website, go through the session, get to your funnel, complete the form, take action, show up for the meeting, have a great meeting. They are not a cold lead. They're a warm lead or a hot lead. And then they buy. How long did it take? Can we reduce it? Can we replicate it and keep it moving? I've already talked about this before, and I'm going to express this again. You want to focus on market segmentation. And in a lot of experiences, small businesses often struggle in large markets because it's nearly impossible to compete with larger brands. And for this particular reason, you might need to reevaluate your brand's place, your brand's positioning within your market and narrow down your target accordingly. If you think about my previous episode when I talk about depth versus breadth, 
when I talk about the SVP of HubSpot's, how do they get to a million ARR? That's a very key thing when it comes to market segmentation. You must understand and learn that, yeah, in the beginning, you might go as far as breadth. But as you get real deep into your market segmentation, you're going to convert that into depth. Market segmentation involves dividing a broader market into smaller groups based on demographic information or even buying habits. If you think about my episode 44 and 45 about behavior science, this all makes sense. So if you combine listening to episode 48 on the depth versus breadth, episode 44 and episode 45 of business is a mind game, how to apply behavior science to eliminate friction costs and optimize mode of payment to persuade the customer to say yes and trust you or to head east in the minds of your customers. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're learning how to apply all of that together to create a really strong dynamic market segmentation for your business and for your brand. And I hope you saw and appreciate how I connected a lot of these previous episodes back together. If you offer more than one product, market segmentation also helps you advertise different items to different customers, clients, however you want to go about it in a very dynamic turnkey expression or method I've already referenced. It does take some careful research to discover which market segments are the most likely to buy each of your products or each of your services. So be prepared for a time intensive process. Growth takes time and patience and poise. So you need the right data. You don't want to be overwhelmed with data, but you need the right data so you can make the right decisions so you can make the market segmentations accordingly to grow and scale your business. It's a lot of work. I get it. But once you identify the most appropriate market segments based off what you offer, ooh-wee, French kiss, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to make things a lot easier. That's why I always say strategy is not something, oh, I'm going to do and I'm done. Strategy is an action. Strategy is something you need to move the needle forward. That's why I always stress for people who think, sure, I don't need strategy. I need to execute. I just need to do, do, do. How can you move in a way that's going to make you money and build the brand equity that you want if you don't have the very strategies to help you identify the right moves you need to make in the first place? Come on now. Come on now. So make sure that you have a good strategy, that you know the data, that you're tracking the right data, and you're not just tracking any data to allow you to segment your markets accordingly. And the last thing, For the five growth strategies for your business is foster the right partnerships. It's all about collaboration, baby. There's enough room for all of us in the sky to fly. So why would I fly solo when I can fly farther and higher together with others? We have to understand that too. We can't grow by ourselves. We will always need someone to help us to unlock those doors, unlock those opportunities for us to scale accordingly. Partnering with another small business or an agency or an entrepreneur or a freelancer or a creator is going to make a significant difference because you get to double down and help your business grow by using someone else's audience that is already established that you didn't have to. Their word alone is going to put some eyeballs on you and it only takes a few to get those profit margins up. Ideally, though, a partnership should be beneficial to both businesses significantly and not just one party over another. Obviously, that's objective. But what do I always say? Give value, but make sure you're receiving value as well. If you go back to episode 14, I really stress that and break that down as well. It's critical that you find the right businesses to partner with. They may be in the same space than you or they may be in a completely different space than you. Let's say you are a lawyer that partners with a car mechanic shop. And you're a lawyer that deals with accidents. Okay, if someone gets into an accident, they're going to go to a car mechanic to get it fixed, right? That car mechanic, based on the situation, the conversation, may say, hey, I may know of a good lawyer that can help you win your case. So that way you don't have to pay me for these fixes. The lawyer is going to help you do that. Oh my goodness, dynamic collaboration here. Dynamic partnership here. Let's go get this money. And vice versa. Someone 
as an accident, they go to a lawyer and like, I don't know how to do, I don't know what I'm going to do. And they may recommend a car mechanic to help fix them that they trust. But I'm saying that it's not always the one that's in the same industry or space than you. It could be something completely different from you that if you work together, you're going to have significant value and drive each other's revenue up, profitability up, and awareness up from word of mouth because you have established these audiences, these collaborations, these networks that if you just make the recommendation, someone's going to consider them and you can cut through all of that mess, all that red tape that you normally would consider. So think about these things. These five strategies can help you grow your business. Increase your market penetration. Focus on market segmentation. Consider alternative channels. Foster the right partnerships. And don't overlook your existing customer base as a revenue generation and expansion tool. These five things, y'all, are going to help you scale and grow your business right now, six months from now, three years from now. Simple, easy, but you need to do it more. You need to be more consistent in the action of doing it and make sure that you're evaluating who you're partnering with and your strategies, your segmentations accordingly. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. And that's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Digress. What was your takeaway? Care to share your thoughts and tag Troy on social media? You can find him on all platforms at Find Troy. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review or comment for this episode from wherever you're listening. Looking for a marketing strategist to build the structure, strategies, and systems you need to get the success you want and the ROI you desire in your business? Book a discovery call to talk with Troy at findtroy.com. And as Troy's philosophy goes, imagination is the engine, content is the fuel, social media is the highway, marketing is the roadmap, sales is the destination, culture is the GPS. Thanks for listening. Yeah.